Let's talk about marketing and the secrets that people are just not telling you. We're going to dive into some unconventional marketing strategies that go beyond just, hey, run some Facebook ads, or you need to post more on social media, or the grow your list conversation. All of those are relevant and true. But today I want to talk about some of the things that we've been doing in our business and things that I've seen work so well for some of my clients that are just not commonly discussed in the world of successful marketing. So let's dive into these unconventional marketing tactics that you can put into practice, that you can do at any level in your business that is going to allow for more growth more quickly. Let's do it. Hey, you're listening to the Luminary Leadership Podcast and I'm your host, Liz. This is the space where we equip overwhelmed entrepreneurs to become the confident, visionary leader their business, team, family, legacy need to win. After working with countless entrepreneurs over the last decade plus, I've noticed this theme. No matter the level of success they achieved, and I've worked with some incredibly successful business owners, they get to this point where they're asking, now what? You know, what am I being called to next? What does next look like? How do I get there? If you're listening to this, you get it you're craving more impact and you want to feel less frantic and in the weeds of your day-to-day roles and instead lead with that vision and that peace and that intention and that clarity. You want to wake up each morning with that clarity and vision and the time and the margin to do what you love in your business and in your life with your family. This show is where industry leaders come to grow into their next level of achievement and purpose and impact and legacy success in business and true legacy at home. Get ready because we both know you don't just need another strategy. It is time for your breakthrough. On a scale of one to 10, how frustrated are you with your marketing right now? Marketing from the sense of this is the stuff that we're putting out with the hope of magnetizing the right leads, hopefully qualified leads that are likely to convert. I see this time and time again. It's one of the biggest thorns in the side of entrepreneurs. How can I do what some of those people that we see out there in the world of entrepreneurship who are killing it with their marketing game, how can I do more of what they're doing? Well, this tried and true strategies exist, right? It's about your messaging. It's about speaking to the right people. It's about your magnetism. It's about the content that you put out that draws people in. All that stuff remains true. But today I want to talk about two specific marketing strategies that are not being discussed among most online entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs as a whole, small business owners. This is stuff that you should be doing yourself or bringing in your marketing team or your right-hand person so that you can start to build that momentum. You can solve the for the problems that you're facing in your business when it comes to marketing. All right, before I jump in, I wanna preface this with the mindset that you should be having leveraging strategies like these. And that mindset is one of leadership. It's why we call the podcast what we call it. It is luminary leadership. It is looking at things through a unique angle and taking it through your own filter and making it work for you. It's looking at what other people are doing, not in the sense of I'm gonna copy them, but for inspiration, for innovation. You should be at the cutting edge at all times. You should be exploring new possibilities and doing it in a way that's in alignment with your values, 
right? With your mission at hand, with your capacity based on what you can put in time, money, uh, resource-wise, team-wise, all of that. So take it, put it through your own filter. The first thing I'm going to talk to you about is this idea of reverse engineering your competitors' funnels. Likely at this point in your business, you are creating funnels. And the reason that I'm talking about this today is because you need a place where people are going to consume you, come in, and then digest more of you, right? Consume more of what you have to offer in before you get to a point where you're asking something of them, asking for a sale. And likely that's through a funnel. Hopefully you have something top of funnel. This is a different conversation. Top of funnel where people can regularly consume your content. Do you have a podcast? Do you have a YouTube show? Do you have a blog? Do you have a way that people can say, I know where he or she is gonna be. I'm gonna show up there and consume more of their content. But then you get them into your funnel. And this is where the frustration arises. You put all this time or maybe money into writing the copy for a nurture sequence. I can't tell you how many times I've done this. You write the copy for the nurture sequence, then you go into some kind of sales sequence, you create a sales page or a landing page. You might have some launch content if you're doing a launch, and then you make that funnel active and you sit back and you wait to see if it's gonna work. And the frustration comes from the many times that it doesn't work. So how can we do it a little differently where we're not beating our head against the same wall, tweaking every little line of copy a thousand different ways and trying to figure out where we're going wrong? Well, this idea of reverse engineering competitors' funnels is going to allow you to explore new ideas of the ways that other people are doing it that's really working. So can you first start by making a list of your competitors. When I say competitors, they don't have to sell the exact same products as you. They don't have to have the exact same message. In fact, hopefully they don't. You want to be unique in the marketplace and have your own unique selling proposition. But you're looking at people who serve a similar audience, at least, and they're putting similar type products out there. And you want to study them. So step one is whether it's a whiteboard or a spreadsheet or something where you can track this, you want to write down your top 20 competitors, the people in the industry that are doing something similar, serving a similar audience, and start to study what they're doing. You want to look, identify who those people are, and then you want to start to analyze their sales funnels. So how do you do that? Well, you're going to opt in for their lead magnets or their email list so that you can be on the receiving end. None of this is, you know, unethical. You're just consuming what they're putting out there and you're learning from them. So you want to check out their landing pages. How are they designing their landing pages? Does this competitor who is killing it and getting tons of leads and tons of traffic, are their landing pages really robust? Do you have to scroll? Is there a video at the top of the landing page? Is it all copy? Is it short and sweet? What are they doing that seems to be working, right? Are they asking for name and email? Are they asking for name, email, and cell phone? And then when you opt in, most of their stuff is happening through text. You want to study what they're doing and what's working. You want to look at their nurture sequence. So when you opt in, so this takes some time, right? Because when you opt in for someone's nurture sequence, typically you're not hit with the whole sequence in a day. 
It might be over the course of a month, but this is really great. You can get into 20 different sequences, maybe have an email specifically dedicated to this so that you can track it and it doesn't just bog down your typical email. That's a mistake that I've made in the past in doing this kind of research. And you can go in there each day and say, okay, this person emails every day. Whoa, this person emails twice a day. I only get an email once a week. This person walked me through 10 emails before they ever tried to sell me anything. This person walked me through three months before they ever tried to sell me something. This person never sold me anything. You know, figuring out what is this person doing from a tactical standpoint, and then you can get into what is this person doing from a consumption standpoint, like what you're actually consuming. Do most of their emails have video? How are their emails formatted? Looking at if it has video, is it video that's right there embedded in the email? Does that seem to matter? Is it a a hyperlink that takes you to a landing page that has video? Do they then try to sell you something through that pipeline? So taking note of these things, I think it's probably easiest to track this in a spreadsheet. It's probably easiest to have a team member be managing this entire process, someone that works and at least touches your marketing, even if it's a VA. You can do it yourself, but you want to allot specific time throughout your week where you're focusing on this so that you're not bogging yourself down because you could totally lose so many hours each week to this process and you don't want to lose the hours. Now, another quick mindset check. A big mistake I see a lot of entrepreneurs make when they go to do this process is they go into the with the mindset, oh, I'm going to see which one works best and then I'm going to carbon copy it. You're better than that. You are an innovator. You are a visionary. You are a creator. Don't be the person who comes in and steals someone else's work. This is just a learning process. This is almost like signing up for somebody's course. You're consuming their content and how they put it out, and then you're getting inspired, and then you're going separate from that content, and you're innovating for yourself, for your own your own consumer base. You can even do this for someone that's not even in your industry, right? You can do this for someone that you just really respect and you really admire their work. I've done this in the past where I've signed up for people's stuff because I actually need it, right? When I'm learning sleep training my kids or I want to know something about healthy eating, it has nothing to do with what I do in serving entrepreneurs. So I genuinely signed up for their list or I genuinely went to that landing page. But then I started to see, wow, they're really good at marketing. Something about this is really captivating me. What is it that's making me open every email they send? What is it that's making me click play on the videos that they send to me or read through the entire email when I have a busy day, but I want to consume what they put out? So you can just study the people you respect and apply that to your work in your industry. You want to take detailed notes for each of the people that you're doing this for. So if you're doing a spreadsheet, you can have each of the competitors and then you can have a column for multiple different things. You can have a column for frequency. How often are they emailing? You can have a column for what type of content you're receiving via the email. Do they send long form emails? Do they send you to a landing page? Do they have an embedded video? Are they using video, right? You can put a section for notes where you just take some notes on some of the things that they're doing or not doing that you like or you don't like or things that, you know, turned you off when you were a part of that email sequence. And then put another section for some of the things that you would like to test and apply for your business. Now, the other key mindset piece, and the reason I keep drilling home these mindset pieces is because when you are becoming an elite entrepreneur, when you are taking your business to the next level through these unconventional and not so common marketing strategies, it's easy to get bogged down and now coming to your team and saying, we've got to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We have 1 million things we have to do. Our to-do list just got a lot longer. 
get rid of all our emails, redo everything, that's a major mistake. You have to make sure first you're tracking your own data because there's always a possibility that you're doing something that's working and you don't want to lose those things. So we are, our theme is constantly data, making data sexy is what my director of operations says all the time, because we want to know, wait, if we have a couple of emails that are performing like gangbusters for us, we don't want to ditch those. If we have emails that have hugely high open rates, we want to keep those subject lines. Or if we have emails that have uh, high open rates but low click-through rates, maybe we can keep the subject line, but we want to, what we're actually tweaking in that email is what we're hyperlinking, or maybe we embed a video so there's more consumption. So it's just something to note. You don't want to just throw everything away and overwhelm your team. It should be an ongoing process where you're tweaking and adjusting based on what you have capacity for, but you're tracking the data. Do not, and I repeat, do not do any of this stuff if you are not going to look at your numbers. It is a giant waste of your energy and effort. We have had times in the past where we've run campaigns and I thought it was complete bust. I'm like, no one's converting. We only had like 10 people convert in this funnel over the last two weeks. What's going on? And I want to throw the thing, whole thing out. Well, thankfully, we had the data to say, wait, our issue isn't conversions. We're actually really high conversion based on our numbers. Our issue is traffic. We just need more bodies in the funnel. So then we turn up our ads or we turn up our marketing strategy at the top end so that we're getting more people in the pipeline. And then we ended up keeping those high conversion rates and converting a ton of people in this funnel that I thought was totally broken. So look at the numbers, look at the numbers, look at the numbers. You should have scorecards. You should have a way that works for you and your team that you're tracking this weekly. We have time allotted in our team meeting where we do our data talk. Right at the beginning of the meeting, we look at, hey, how's the funnel performing? What emails are doing well for us? What's not clicking so well? And we can make adjustments accordingly. So take note of the key elements that will resonate, and, and then you want to figure out what's your strategy as to how this will apply for your audience. Now, you might be looking at a competitor's funnel, and that competitor is absolutely a phenomenal writer, and they write, and you want to read every last bite of their email, and you're sitting there saying, I hate writing. It is not my gift, but I am amazing on video. You don't want to just blank copy what somebody else does if it's one, going to suck the joy out of your soul, and two, not where your gifting lies. Can you take that concept and apply it in video if that's where your gift is, or vice versa? If you're a writer and your people traditionally like to read your emails, can you take it and apply it accordingly? So you want to adapt and incorporate these really successful strategies that you're studying over time. I like to build in an hour to two hours a week when you're in a season of studying these competitors to look at this information, whether it's you or a team member. So you can dissect it and then you have time. You want to bounce this off of other people. Don't try and do this all on your, on your own. It's important to have these conversations with your team member or your spouse. Get other opinions or vantage points on it so that you don't get lost in looking at so much information. And if 20 competitors feels too you know, all consuming, do 10, do five, do three. The point is you're reverse engineering these competitors so that you can start to see what could potentially work for you. And then the key from there is determining your rollout plan to test some of these strategies. All right, one of the things that we're testing 
that very quickly yielded results for us, that I wasn't a believer that it would make a difference because I am a writer. Now, I'm fine on video. I don't mind being on video. I've done it for so many years now, but I like to write. That's where my gift is. But the reality is, is that I like to write. I like to read writer's work. I don't even have the time to do it. So there are some people that have amazing emails that I save, but I never open them because I never have the feel like I have the capacity to sit down and just like read an email. But when someone has a short video in it, I consume it. So the name of the game when it comes to crafting your funnels is consumption. You need these people to consume what you're putting out. So how do your people best consume? You want to test. So one test that we've done is in many of our emails now, we're just having a small, short, I should say a short embedded video at the top of the email that essentially summarizes what I also wrote in case they're the type that like, I don't want to scroll. I just want to listen to what you have to say. And our conversion rates are going up. Our consumption rates are going up, right? Our click-through rates are going up. So consumption is the name of the game. As you reverse engineer these people's funnels, say, how can I take this, give it to my audience in a way that's most consumable for them? All right. Important note to take as you start to implement this stuff. And then remember, leaders tweak their way to victory. They don't hit the nail on the head the first time. You do not look at what a competitor is doing, apply it to what you want to be doing, and then it's a win or a loss. It's a test, right? It's a tweak, a test, tweak, test, tweak. If you really want to embrace true growth strategy in your business, you want to see massive success, you have to remember in that tweaking your rate of victory, There's a strategy to get a return on investment on this testing process. So if you haven't listened to episode 180, episode 180, return on investment on failure, right? This is the the active process to put something into testing, which is what you're doing right here, and then start to learn how to tweak your way to victory. Champions adjust their way to the gold, right? They're not, it's not in or out. It's I'm applying, I'm testing, I'm getting the feedback on that test, I'm making some changes, I'm implementing those changes, and I'm re-entering out into the world. And I walk through an entire framework that my mentor taught me that is so instrumental for this exact process. So unconventional marketing strategy number one is going to be reverse engineering your competitor's funnels. This is going to allow you to gain the insights into what's going on in your industry, what's working well across marketing, and you can leverage those strategies of your own. Second strategy. All right, let's get into it. The second strategy I want to talk about, creating strategic alliances, partnerships, whatever you want to call it, with non-competing businesses. This is so, so powerful. And it's something that seven-figure and above very successful marketers are doing every single week in their business. This is forging bonds, connections, building relationships with partners that in non-competitive businesses that you can leverage and that they can leverage you to complement one each one one another and push each other out to each other's list and support each other in your marketing growth. This is going to expand your audience to a totally new audience. It's going to expand your reach and it's going to be mutually beneficial. So it's a reason to keep it going and to support, you know, the growth in your business, but it's the reason that these bonds work so well is because it also supports the growth in their business. So you want to identify 
some non-competitive businesses, business owners, entrepreneurs, and you want to make a list. I'm all about my lists. So again, you can have a tab in this spreadsheet, right? In this marketing spreadsheet, a tab for these non-competitive potential prospective partners. Write out the names or the business names of 10 to 20, can do more if you're feeling really ambitious, potential partners. They have the same target audience, but they don't offer the same offerings. They have the same target audience, but they do not serve the people in the same way, and they have the same target audience, and they should have aligned values. I'll share an example of this. I joined, I I purchased something to help with our collateral, like our marketing collateral. I wanted more imagery and more video. So I purchased a package with this company and they come out quarterly to shoot footage of me and the team and our events and conferences and all of that. So we could capture more of this marketing collateral and then have it throughout the year. They are very well-priced and that's part of their shtick. Like they keep the prices low. They have a bank of partners that serve the same audience of people, people like me, online entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, they don't have to be online, any kind of entrepreneur, small business owner. And the values, you know, if you, if I decide to work with any of their brand partners or with any of their partners, those people are also going to be very affordably priced because that's one of their main values. So they only partner with people who share that value of affordability right? Implementing these strategies into their business without having to break the bank. They're not going to partner with someone that charges an arm and a leg and is a super high-end vendor or business owner, okay? So you want to do the same thing. You want to think, man, I'm not going to partner with someone that doesn't actually believe in my mission, right? That doesn't actually stand for the things I stand for, because then when I go to market to their audience, it's going to fall on deaf ears and it's not a valid or valuable partnership. So in that list, think about that. You want common values, uh, common audience. Those are two important pieces of the puzzle. You can reach out, hopefully, preferably, start with your warm audience. You want to get some wins, right? You want to get some people saying yes to this partnership and seeing the mutual benefit of becoming a partner with you. So start and order your list in accordance to warm to cold, okay? So this is the dream list, but you want to start with the people that you have some kind of connection with. And you can go to those peers or you can go to those um, people in your industry or friends or whoever it might be and say, hey, I think I have a great way that we could work together. And you can connect and have a conversation, preferably in person, on Zoom, on a phone call, where you can actually explain, hey, this is how I think I could serve your people really well. I could fill this gap for you. I could give you a cut when that happens so it becomes mutually beneficial financially, which is a great incentivizer, right? You can be an affiliate partner for them. They can be an affiliate partner for you or a referral partner, however you do it. And then have a conversation of, you know, how it could work both ways. And you just put it out there. You will get no's. You will get people that say, yeah, my calendar's already full. I'm not taking on any more partnerships. You will get people that say, I don't really think it's aligned. You will get people who say no because you didn't properly position it. They didn't see the mutually beneficial nature of the relationship. Or you'll get people that say no because you didn't take the time to nurture the relationship well enough. Remember, don't just come in with the the hard pitch. 
you want to grease those skids and build that connection. One way I've done this over the years, having a podcast, it's been so helpful because I have people on my podcast all the time or I speak on other people's podcasts, and that just opens the door to relationships. So after I have someone on the show, when I see that opportunity where I'm like, wow, this person is really on the same page. We don't compete in what we do. I really think I could serve their people. I think they could serve my people. I'd be happy to recommend them. I want to have a conversation with them. I make sure that I nurture that relationship. I send them a handwritten thank you for being on the show. I send them a gift for coming on and and taking that time to serve my audience. I reach out then a little bit later. Hey, I was thinking about you. How are things going? I know you were launching XYZ. How did the launch go? Uh, Offer value whenever I can do it. And then I build up to, hey, why don't we hop on a call? I have this idea. I want to run it by you. I think it could be really mutually beneficial. Let's chat about, you know, partnering and and really serving each other's audiences so that we can expand our reach. So you want to talk about that. You can think about different ways you could run these partnerships. So it can be uh, joint promotions, right? You could co-create content content together, right? Let's say you have a membership of some kind and within that membership, you could have this partner in there serving your audience and you have some kind of uh, affiliate partnership where when when someone sells, th- buys into this product, they get a cut of it. So you can co-create and you can talk about cross-selling to each other's lists, right? Where they do affiliate promotions, which I strongly believe in. I know I have clients who that's the bulk of their income and it's products that they didn't have to go create and do research and development and build it out and record it and create all the marketing collateral. Once or twice a year when this other partner of theirs launches, they're there to promote it and they have the assets all delivered to them and they promote that thing and then they get paid on it and it serves their audience really well. So think about the types of partnerships you could have. It could be even something as simple as if you have a high ticket business where you're a service provider, they just refer people to you and you give them a cut when that person joins on with you. And that's so easy for that person. It's like when there's a restaurant that you love. You have no issue telling your friends about that restaurant, but you'd be even more incentivized if you, if that restaurant say, hey, if you, if someone comes in our doors through you, you get a $10 coupon or you get a $10 gift card to our restaurant. It just builds that reciprocity and reciprocity in relationship is so huge. And remember the baseline of all of this relationship building is nurturing those relationships, which means again, everything through the leadership angle. Are you taking time to, in your weeks, to nurture relationships? I share all the time, but I had that year of time and I still put this into practice where I said, okay, and I didn't do it with the intention of it leading somewhere. I did it because I was trying to change my mindset. I was trying to be more grateful when I was going through a really hard time and to be more committed to my business and outward thinking when I was really struggling. And I said, every workday of the year, I'm going to start my day and I'm not gonna allow myself to jump into my work until I've written a handwritten letter to somebody. And I did that for a year. And it wasn't always even people in business. It was sometimes just friends or family or people I just appreciate or connections I've made along the way. It led to so much growth in my business because I was nurturing relationships. How often do people even get a handwritten letter in the mail anymore? So this was such a great foot in the door, not even realizing I was doing it, that developed and led to so much wonderful relationship growth and partnerships that has led ultimately to 
incredible income for our company. And then you want to have, depending on the relationship, clear agreements around these relationships, right? You might want contracts or things that you can put into place to protect both parties and to preserve the relationship if something goes wonky or allows you to exit the relationship if it's not the right fit. So keep that in mind. Both of these strategies, whether it be reverse engineering your competitors' funnels or really digging into implementing the strategies around nurturing and building these strategic relationships, they both can serve your business for astronomical growth. And they're often things that are under leverage. We're out there trying to sling more money at Facebook to bring more people in through ads, which by the way, we run ads. We run them very successfully, finally, after many years of doing it wrong. This is now a strategy we teach to save people tons of money and get way more lead generation, but I digress. Those things are important. Being on social media can be valuable, but if that is your marketing strategy, if you don't have a clear way to build funnels that are strong and that are performing for you, or you don't have relationships that are leading to a fruitfulness to them, you're missing opportunities. You're leaving money on the table. So if this spoke to you, let me know. Go share it with your peers, with your friends, with other people in the industry or across industries. And if it spoke to you, please go leave us a review for the podcast. And if you're watching, comment below, let us know, and feel free to share this. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have amazing stuff coming your way. We will link in the show notes to the episodes that we think will serve you in this. Like I mentioned, the whole concept around return on investment on failure, how you can go into this testing process in a way that it's beneficial for you along the whole journey. And please, please, please get in touch. If you want to know more, if you have ideas around things that you want to learn about, please let us know. We're here to serve you. We want to support you. We want to speak about the things that are relevant to you, your leadership growth, unlocking your potential, and tapping into your breakthrough in your business. I hope today's episode gave you what you needed. If it spoke to you, please leave us a review and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next powerful episode. And I know it's so cliche to ask for a review. It always feels weird asking for one, but you guys, that makes a huge impact on the show. We read every one of them and it helps us get incredible guests to serve you. Don't be shy. I love connecting with our listeners. You can follow along on Instagram when I'm on there at Eliz Hartke. And if there's a topic or a question or guest you have for us, reach out, share your thoughts. You can connect at marketing at luminaryleadershipco.com. And we do this for you. So the more you tell us, the more we can serve you. Thanks for spending some time with me. I really do appreciate you. Tune in next week to keep building your legacy and becoming the confident visionary leader you are meant to be.